All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am here to help recap the 2023 NBA draft for your Denver Nuggets as they make three picks in this draft. And I think a a little bit of a surprise for sure in, in terms of the kinds of players that they were targeting, in terms of uh, what what they actually went for. I think they went lower on, on many people's overall big boards so that they could get the fits that they were hoping for and get players that they believe can contribute going forward in the coming years. Uh, maybe not later down the line, but, but sooner rather than later. You can definitely see that with a lot of these guys. Um, got some information on each of these players and we'll be able to talk about that for sure. But uh, really looking forward to being able to hang out with all of you. Thank you so much for sticking around. Uh, let's get into this. Let's talk about what's going down with this Nuggets team. And after multiple trades that ended up being one big trade during uh, there were, there was one that was consummated during the finals, but it actually wasn't finalized. Denver then folded that trade along with another reported trade with the Indiana Pacers into a four-team deal uh, that then had them basically send... Here's the actual math on what happened. Uh, They sent out the 40th pick and a 2029 first-round pick for the 29th pick this year, the 32nd pick this year, the 37th pick this year, and a 2024 second-round pick. So that's what you're looking at if you are a Nuggets fan. Uh, You're getting basically one late first rounder and then three relatively early second rounders. I think the 2024 pick should be pretty good too in return for an er, like a a mid second round pick this year and a 2029 first uh, six years down the road. So the nuggets basically over the course of this last couple months have pushed their assets up to the front They've tried to get these cheaper contracts, these younger guys, into the building as soon as possible. They don't plan on making any big trades with the 2029 first-round pick, uh, and I'm not surprised by that. I think they feel very confident about the core that they've assembled with this team, and instead of going with uh, or like saving that ammo trying to trade for somebody else, they, they believe in their group, so they're going to bolster the group and with Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and even Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, like you feel very confident about the direction of this team going forward. So the Nuggets are adding to that. Last year, they added defenders. Last year, they added perimeter defenders, versatile pieces, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, both of those guys. You feel pretty good about where they're going to be, especially Christian Brown, in these coming months, in these coming years. But one of the things that I've been thinking about with the draft and and not necessarily knowing what what it would ultimately turn into was what kinds of players would they add to Christian Brown and Peyton Watson? Are they going to try to get more defenders? Are they just going to bolster that? Are they going to get a point guard? Are they going to get a center? How are they going to handle this stuff? And instead of like a, they went more offensive centric rather than the defensive centric that I thought they might be doing. Um, The first pick that they made was Julian Strother, who is a Gonzaga player, three-year player at Gonzaga, and a really, really interesting prospect. Um, He was not on my ten list of uh, my list of ten names that I thought Denver would go with because I uh, he was the eleventh name. And I I know that I I tweeted this out last night. I know that sounds like cap. It's not. I promise. I I was debating whether to put Julian Strother on there or Casey Wallace. As it turns out, Casey Wallace gets drafted 10th overall way sooner than I thought he would. I thought he'd go like 20th. If he was at 20, I thought Denver could have a chance to trade up for him. As it stands, they don't, and they go with Julian Strother instead, who is a offensive sharpshooting wing forward, definitely a true small forward in a lot of ways, uh, but he is going to be Denver's offensive bench guy. Uh, they could have gone with a, a variety of different options. They could have gone with a more traditional point guard type. And they, they found somebody like that in Jalen Pickett, who we'll talk about very soon. But I do like 
uh, the idea of Julian Strother. I do like the idea of a versatile wing, somebody who can get their shot in many different ways and is comfortable shooting the basketball. Uh, he should be very, very interesting. Uh, this last year for Gonzaga, he started all 37 games that he played, averaged 31 minutes a night, 15 points, six rebounds, 1.3 assists. Not the, not the greatest passer, but he can be functional. Uh, and then he shot 47% from the field and nearly 41% from three on 5.3 attempts per game. He was in a pro-style offense at Gonzaga. One of the things about their team was they have Drew Timmy, who is a very interesting, like he's a, a clear college big man who has a lot of the same skill sets for the college level that Nikola Jokic has for the NBA level. They run a lot of post-ups. They run a lot of passing. And then what people kind of forget is that the previous season, they also had Chet Holmgren. So they ran a lot of that double big offense. They ran a lot of interior sets and they had guys like Strother, guys like Jalen Suggs, uh, Joel Ayayi, who I, I liked in the previous years. Uh, they've had a lot of guys go through Gonzaga that are really talented pieces and also pro-ready pieces in a lot of different ways. Uh, Strother is a wing version of a lot of those guys, and I like him for a variety of reasons. But the most important one is that he can operate in a movement system. He can operate as a catch-and-shoot guy. He can operate as a DHO guy. And I think that there are going to be ways that Denver can utilize him off their bench where Jokic kind of props him up in a lot of different ways. Jokic looks really good uh, with players that can space the floor for him. And as long as Strother is staying connected, as long as he's playing the right way, I think that he has a lot of potential to be one of the featured offensive pieces off that bench. Now, whether that's what happens quickly, whether that's what happens um, over the course of a couple of years, we, we don't know. That's up to Strother in, in a lot of different ways. And it's up to Michael Malone to and then the Nuggets coaching staff to help develop him a little bit. But I do like what he provides. I, I think that there's a nice wrinkle there. And I talked about this with C.T. Fazio on, on my uh, draft pre preview podcast, where he is a player on the wing that is very offensive centric. He's not a good defender. He's going to struggle on that end. There's going to be some time to get up to speed on that end for sure. Uh, when it comes to, man, you, you really need a lot of help trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, he also needs to get stronger. He also needs to get more engaged on that end. There, there's some, there's some things that the nuggets are going to need to work on him with uh, work with him on, but the shooting is the shooting, and he's very, very talented. He has a great floater. That's something that I think Nuggets fans are going to be pretty happy with. Uh, there's going to be a lot there, and he can be the offensive version of what a Christian Brown or Peyton Watson do on the wing. You can also see lineups where all three of those guys play off the bench. Maybe they have a point guard there. Maybe it's Jamal Murray. Maybe, maybe one of your most common lineups next year is Jamal Murray, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, and a backup big man, whether it's Zeke Naji or uh, maybe they bring back Thomas Bryant or they had Jeff Green back or something like that. Th there are some things that Denver can do from a versatility perspective that Strother, I think, was going to help them with. So that should be a good one. He's the guy that I think Nuggets fans should be most excited for. First round pick, so he gets that guaranteed contract, uh, one of the lower salary slots in uh, the draft, of course, being a 29, uh, but he's going to be a guaranteed contract, and we're going we're gonna to see what he provides. Do I expect him to play immediately? No, I, I, I don't. I think that there's going to be a lot of push for Denver to bring back veterans. There's going to be a lot of guys that the Nuggets hope to bring back with the hopes that, that they don't have to rely on too many young guys at the same time. But Strother, I think, has the most potential to play immediately for Denver just because he brings an elite skill and that that's going to be – that's an important skill to have. Bench shooting, like, come on now. Jalen Pickett goes 32nd in this draft. And, and he was, I think – like actually, both he and Hunter Tyson, I think, were curious picks. Strother, I was, I was more regretting because I wanted to write about him and ultimately just kept it to 10 names that I was going to write about. Uh, but Jalen Pickett's interesting. He's a five-year player 
at uh, both Siena and then ultimately Penn State. Uh, New York point guard, somebody that I think Michael Malone is going to really like. He's going to be very interested in. Uh, those guys will connect for sure. And one of the interesting, th- like there's there's several interesting things about Jalen Pickett's game. Not necessarily the highest ceiling guy because he's not a great athlete and neither is Strother, by the way. That's that's one thing where you look at the, the combine results, the combine measurements for these guys. Neither of them test very well athletically. And, and that's a, I think, a breakaway from what Denver added in the draft this last year. So that's something that, it was pretty clearly not a point of emphasis in this particular draft. But Pickett, he provides an interesting, unique skill set in how very heavily he rebounds. Uh, he's he's like the fewest rebounds he's averaged as a point guard in college so far in, in his career is 4.3. This last year, he averaged 7.4 rebounds per game. And he also averaged 6.6 assists. He was fifth in the AC or fifth in the Big Ten in total rebounds for Penn State, and he was first in total assists. I thought that that was crazy. I thought that that's that's a crazy number for a six foot four point guard who's six foot two in shoes. Uh, he's a guy who a little bit of a throwback kind of player. I've I've heard others talk about him, whether it's Mark Jackson or Andre Miller or players like that that are very big that are patient. I kind of see a little bit of Jamal Murray in the way that he tries to get guys in jail, tries to get guys on their, like on his back in order to uh, create space for passes and shots. Uh, Also uses the post really well, which is something that Jamal has wanted to do. And he's very much a bully. He's very much a bully against guys that he believes he's stronger than that he can create space against. And there are certain styles that translate to the NBA that I think, not a lot of people think about one guy that he also reminded me of was Jalen Brunson and the way that he would crab dribble, the way that he would protect the ball while he's driving into the paint and just create these little pockets of space that he could take advantage of with elite finishing levels. And Jalen Pickett's an elite finisher. He shot nearly 51% from the field in his senior season. And that's, that's just incredibly impressive. And, uh, deserves a lot of credit for for being able to do that at just 6-4. Um, I don't know what his role is in the NBA, though, because he's not a traditional point guard. He's not somebody who's going to be uh, a, a runner of pick and roll all the time, not really a pull-up three-point threat or anything like that. His shot is a little flat, not necessarily the best shooter. And he, like, like uh, Strother, he's not a great athlete. So you are probably going to be relying upon him for uh, like backup point guard minutes, things like that. Uh, but he's definitely going to be a guy, if, if you're the Nuggets, that you're, you're going to have to account for defensively. He's not necessarily going to be this elite, awesome defender. Uh, that could be wrong, and, and maybe that, that ends up proving to be wrong as he continues to develop and get better and get smarter. He's, that's, that's one thing that you really hear about him, though, is that he's just a really, really smart player. So if you're a Nuggets fan... That's another thing that you're looking at with some of these guys. Just a very uh, large emphasis on smart, high IQ basketball that they're trying to bring in as soon as possible so that they can play these guys if they need to. Uh, Whether they're actually good, whether they actually do play, we will see. Uh, But I do think that Jalen Pickett's just going to be one of those guys um, that third point guard for Denver in all likelihood. I don't think he's going to be the primary backup, but third point guard for Denver, where if he has to play, you feel okay about it. Not going to be the biggest deal. And finally, Hunter Tyson, um, Clemson guy, goes 37th overall for Denver. And he's one of those players that uh, rose up the draft boards a little bit, especially with a combine performance that uh, apparently he showed, showed out pretty well at the combine, did some things athletically and as a shooter that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. And, and when you watch him shoot, and it's something that I, I I saw his profile, I saw what people were saying about him, and, and I was like, okay, this is whatever. Um, and then you actually watch him shoot, and it's pretty impressive. <laughs> like I, I, was, I was pretty impressed with some of the shots that he takes. They're deep. He has uh, different ways that he can get into his outside shot. He is going to be 
I think your prototypical six, eight, six, nine stretch four, somebody who probably not athletic enough or big enough or strong enough to play the five, probably not quick enough to play the three. He's going to be your prototypical stretch four, which is something that not a lot of teams have anymore. Like it's actually frowned upon in a lot of ways to go with the stretch four. You you usually have a six foot seven guy who could play the three then moves over to the four in a lot of different lineups. So Hunter Tyson, a little bit slower than those guys, probably needs to improve on his athleticism for sure. Uh, that's that's the first thing that really stands out to me. When, when watching him operate, I don't see a lot of burst from him, and I don't see a lot of physicality from him that is going to be super helpful in an NBA concept. Like he's going to be overwhelmed on both ends of the floor in a lot of different ways. And the Nuggets are going to have to help him on that. They're going to have to improve uh, with with Hunter Tyson. Like he's he's going to have to get into a strength and conditioning program at the NBA level. That's going to take some time. And as long as he can develop relatively quickly, then maybe this isn't a a year one pick. But he's definitely not somebody that I'm I'm thinking about contributing immediately. Um, I don't know whether these guys are going to, whether it's Tyson or Pickett, I don't know whether they're going to be full-time contracts or two-way contracts, but if I had to bet on it, I would say that Tyson is the more likely two-way and Pickett is the more likely full-time contract uh, just because Denver's going to need full-time players at the point guard position for sure. Uh, but we're going to see. We're, we're going to see what it looks like. What I do think, though, is that Tyson, not somebody that I really expected to be on Denver's Radar, I thought that they would probably have gone with a little bit more of a defensive guy at this spot, but not the biggest deal. If if you if you believe that he can shoot, if you believe that he's a 40% three-point shooter, who actually was a, a strong rebounder at the college level as well, uh, led the entire ACC in rebounding uh, at the, the defensive rebounding side, then you have something there. Uh, he is a little bit like he, he still needs to build up strength, still needs to build up maybe some toughness a little bit, but I, I do think that he kind of like I was listening to the DMVR show kind of reminds them of Tyler Lydon and, and has that very similar look with the orange Jersey. Um, I hope he's not Tyler Lydon for everybody's sake, uh, but there's a difference between drafting Hunter Tyson as your first pick or, and your only pick in, in a, in a first round versus drafting him 37th overall. Maybe he works out, and if he's a 40% three-point shooter with good rebounding, there's a role for that. Like We've watched Georges Niang, who is not an athletic dude, carve out a role in the NBA and, and a helpful player in an NBA context. Maybe not the greatest playoff player, but could definitely help in the regular season. So we will see what it looks like, but those are the three guys that Denver drafted. Um, when we come back, I'm going to talk about how this draft class kind of affects the rest of their offseason by looking into the depth chart and, and some of the, the free agents that the Nuggets currently have on their roster. But first, everybody, we're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Um, appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, drop a like on the video if you're watching along on YouTube. Uh, if you are watching or if you're listening on the audio side, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you can on those avenues. And also just sharing up the pod definitely helps, especially for uh, the, this NBA draft recap kind of podcast. Uh, should be very interesting to see where Denver goes from here. But now let's talk about it. Let's talk about how the Nuggets draft affects Denver's offseason. Um, because I, I don't think a lot of people really expected Denver to 
I don't, I don't really think a lot of people expected Denver to add a bunch of guys in the draft that they would like actually compete for minutes. And we'll see whether these guys actually compete for minutes. I think that Strother's the most likely, uh, but I think what you're mostly doing is filling out the end of the bench. And for that reason, Denver's going to have to bolster the rest of their lineups, bolster the rest of their depth chart. Here's what it looks like, uh, the point guard depth chart. Here's what that looks like for Denver right now. You've got Jamal Murray, Jalen Pickett, and maybe Colin Gillespie. Uh, this is because Reggie Jackson is a free agent. Uh, Bruce Brown, obviously, is a free agent. He played backup point guard in the playoffs for Denver. And Ish Smith is a free agent. So Denver still has some holes to fill here, and we don't know which of those guys they're actually going to bring back. But Pickett makes some sense to provide some stability at the back end. Uh, if you do bring back Colin Gillespie and you decide we are going to – uh, have those guys compete for backup point guard minutes. I don't think that that's the right call. I think that Denver needs a better backup point guard than that, at least at the outset. So I would expect Denver to continue to add a vet. I would expect them to make that a priority. It would shock me if Denver went into the regular season with this particular group, uh, this particular trio as their primary point guards, because Murray, you don't want them to play a whole bunch of minutes the entire time. You want them to be rested and refreshed for another playoff run, hopefully another deep playoff run. So uh, he, he carries a lot of burden already. You want somebody that can help kind of share that a little bit, especially when Murray can also slide to the two and, and you can have potentially another point guard out there that, that can carry the load in a lot of different ways. So we will see what it looks like. But for that reason, I would guess that Denver adds to this group in the offseason shooting guard pretty barren right now you have kcp and christian brown those two guys are going to play like that's going to be your primary duo right there but if you don't bring back bruce brown then you're going to have to add at least a little bit more depth at, at that end i do think that strother might be able to move up and play some two uh although i think one of his biggest weaknesses Strother, and the reason why I have him at small forward is because he kind of struggles to stay in front of the quick twitch guys, struggles to stay in front of the the smaller guards that are pretty jittery. And so if you're a shooting guard, you have to be able to switch on to those guys. Like it's just a requirement at that point. So I think that that's going to be something they have to watch. Uh, but KCP, Christian Brown, that feels like a pretty solid tandem right now. So you don't need anything too crazy at that shooting guard spot but maybe another guy who, who provides a little bit of depth and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Small forward, Michael Porter Jr., Peyton Watson, Julian Strother. This is a pretty young group. Uh, Michael Porter, the veteran of, of that group and, and kind of an interesting thing to think about. Uh, with Jeff Green being a, a free agent, he's obviously not at small forward, but uh, Bruce Brown obviously being a free agent, he played some three as well. Denver's got to figure it out. Uh, Christian Brown played a lot of three this last year, uh, sliding over there when Chris, when uh, Bruce Brown was already out there. And that's a, that's a lineup configuration that Denver's going to have to figure out. I think that one of the things that ultimately Denver does is if they added a, whether it's a Bruce Brown or let's say they traded for DeLon Wright from the Washington Wizards, somebody like that, who purely taking that out of uh, out of thin air and thinking, oh, we, we have no idea how that, that could possibly be there. But I can absolutely see a trio of Jamal Murray, DeLon Wright, and Christian Brown off the bench. Like, it's not, not anything crazy. KCP then gets his rest. Michael Porter gets his rest. And you go with a nine-man rotation of sorts where you have two backcourt guys off the bench. And DeLon Wright is versatile. Christian Brown is versatile. That would work for sure. Uh, but Peyton Watson's going to get some time. Peyton Watson's going to get some opportunities for sure. He could also slide to the four in a lot of these different configurations. We'll have to look at the four in order to really talk through that. But I can see this being a pretty decent trio. I can see this being where Denver ultimately ends up. Michael Porter, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother is not a bad trio by any, by any stretch of the word. It does put a lot of pressure on Watson and Strother if Michael Porter goes down with an injury, uh, but that's kind of how it always works. If you if you have a very top heavy lineup, like if you have a very top heavy roster, if Jokic goes down, 
obviously is going to put a lot of pressure on the centers. If Murray goes down, it's obviously going to put a lot of pressure on the point guards. Same thing with Porter. Uh, but the good thing about bolstering at the other positions is then you can mix and match around the trio that you like around, around the, especially with Murray and Jokic, like you're always going to mix and match. So I do like the idea that Porter is a very unique piece here. Peyton Watson provides the defense and Strother provides more of the wing shooting. Uh, Porter obviously does that too. So there, there is something too. Hey, Michael Porter goes down for a week or two. Let's say he rolls an ankle. Uh, Peyton Watson can step in and provide some, some solid defense. Julian Strother steps in off the bench, gives you 10 to 15 minutes a game, hopefully. It's one of the reasons why I still think that they probably add somebody else, but you never know. You never know. Maybe maybe this is just the, the group that they go with. Power forward, probably the, the, most, the most bolstered position now. Aaron Gordon, Vlaco Chanchar, Hunter Tyson, and maybe Jack White. He's currently he's restricted free agent coming off the two-way. Somebody that I still think that Denver could, could definitely add there. Also, Jack White could potentially slide to that small forward spot. So something to at least monitor there. Jack White actually would be a pretty good option. Like that seems that seems like a really good idea if I'm Denver. Um, but I do think that as long as the Nuggets are as long as they have Aaron Gordon and Vlaco Chanchar and Hunter Tyson, that feels that feels pretty reasonable for their power forward spot. I've always thought that Vlaco could play. I always thought that he could play in the playoffs and honestly maybe had a a definitely a non-zero percent chance that he should have played over Jeff Green in the playoffs. So Jeff will probably be back. I would still like I would still expect him to be back. I think that he provides some some lineup versatility for sure and obviously provides a veteran voice. Uh, so if he does come back to that group, then there's at least something there from a from a lineup perspective where if Aaron Gordon needs a break, you can go to Vlaco Chanchar or you could go to Jeff Green. There, there's something to that for sure. I don't think you want to put Hunter Tyson in a lot of these different situations uh, immediately, but maybe he's ready. Maybe he's ready sooner than I think. So that's something to at least consider. And then center, uh, Nikola Jokic, Zeke Naji. That is the, the only two centers on the team. DeAndre Jordan, a free agent. Thomas Bryant, a free agent. Uh, obviously, Thomas Bryant is the guy that you basically traded three second-round picks for this last year. So given that they did that, given that that didn't work out very well, I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas Bryant was back. I know it didn't work out. I know it didn't feel great. But it just wouldn't surprise me if the Nuggets front office was like, we, we believe in the theory of the practice. We believe in that. We think that another training camp and some preseason games and some seasoning and some integration into what the Nuggets are doing, we think that Thomas Bryant could really be a, a fit. And, and that wouldn't surprise me if Denver decided to, to add that to this particular duo. Or they could even trade Zeke Naji. And because Zeke right now is at the center spot, he's a small ball five. But I think a lot of people believe him as a true power forward. And if that's the case, and if you're always having to think about that in the back of your head, then maybe he's not the right guy to even have on the depth chart in the first place. He's in an expiring contract. Denver needs to figure out whether they want to pay, whether they want to pay him or not. And if you're the Nuggets and he makes a little bit more than the minimum, somebody who I think Denver had some high hopes for, but hasn't really panned out in the way that they they thought he could. Uh Either they're going to give him that opportunity this year to, to pay out and to, to actually play, or they are going to trade him, or they're, they're going to move him and try to get him to a place where he can and try to get somebody else into the rotation that they actually trust. Um, I think that they could bring back Thomas Bryant. I think they could be, bring back DeAndre Jordan. They could bring back Jeff Green. Uh, and there's, there's definitely some uh, belief that, that this center spot could look very differently in the coming weeks, uh, but we'll just have to see right now. It looks like this Jokic obviously is going to play 70 to 75 games, most likely. And, and then Zeke Naji is going to be like, if, if he's out there, he'll be good. Like he'll be a pretty helpful stretch, not, not even stretch five, but like backup switchable five, but he's also not the best option. So Denver can, can figure that out for sure. It'll take some time, but I do think that's something to actually monitor for sure. Um, 
And finally, just a, a look at the free agents once again. Got Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, Thomas Bryant, Colin Gillespie, and I have Thomas Bryant again. Uh, that's supposed to be Jack White. Uh, Colin Gillespie, Jack White, your restricted guys. We'll see if they actually go back. Uh, but I do think that based off of where Denver's at right now with their uh, with their rotation and with their roster, they they have some work to do. They they still have some guys that that they're going to need to add back in. Like right now, you've got let's let's just count it off: Jamal Murray, Jalen Pickett, KCP, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, Aaron Gordon, Flacco Chanchar, Hunter Tyson. Nicole Jokic and Zeke Naji. Sorry, counting with my fingers is really hard. Um, but yeah, so right, right now that's 12 guys out of 18 spots because Denver has three two-way contracts that they are trying to that they're gonna have to fill. I don't know if uh Jalen Pickett's gonna be one of those. I don't know if Hunter Tyson's gonna be one of those. Honestly, Colin Gillespie could be back on a two-way, and Jack White could be back on a two-way if we if we figure that out. So We'll see what that looks like. I, I think Denver's going to try to fill those actual full-time spots before they really sign anybody um, just to figure out what's actually the flexibility for them and then what they can actually do. Uh, Denver, obviously, the biggest priority is bringing back Bruce Brown. If you do bring back Bruce, it bolsters the backcourt rotation in, in very, very important ways. It allows Jamal Murray a little bit more flexibility and breathing room. It allows Michael Porter to have at least a little bit of flexibility there. And KCP, Christian Brown, I think those guys are pretty penciled into their roles, but Christian Brown would probably play just a little bit less. And, and maybe even KCP plays a little bit less as he gets older within his career. So going to be interesting, but I do think that the Nuggets obviously would love to have Bruce Brown back. If he's not, though, then they're going to have to figure it out, whether it's Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, or a free agent point guard, somebody like, I don't know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's been thrown out there. DeLon Wright I've, I've thrown out there, obviously. Uh, could be Gabe Vincent. Uh, there, there's definitely options that Denver could go to. Uh, but that's where I'm thinking. That's where I'm thinking right now. And, and I think that the way that Denver added these, these rookies to their team, they're not going to be perfect additions immediately. They're going to take some time but they're more offensive-minded additions, and Denver's still got to figure out how to bolster that defense just a little bit more, whether it's the size in the front court, whether it's uh, just another body in the back court. Uh, they're going to have to figure it out. I think that the offense will be okay. Defense, we're, we're going to see. That's going to be another story. And Denver, especially coming off of a championship, they're going to want to take breaks. So you need defensive-minded guys that can at least stay engaged a little bit. So going to be interesting to see how they handle it but for now let's take another break when we come back we're going to talk about the rest of the draft we're going to talk about around the league what happened and how that affects denver uh, but first this message from our guys sandy and sean hi i'm sean drunkstar this is sandy clough make sure you catch us from 2 to 4 p.m every day on mile high sports especially now sandy as the nuggets have the best chance ever to win an nba title it's basically all nuggets all the time at the present time but we talk all sports from 2 to 4 every day. That's right. Every team, every day, right here at Mile High Sports. I'm going to be on with Sandy and Sean at three. I know that that's a, a relatively old advertisement that we that we filmed at Mile High Sports just a little bit earlier, but that's going to be a very interesting conversation. Get to talk about the draft. I get to revisit after the championship. Should be fun. Make sure to check out Sandy and Sean at Mile High Sports Radio at three o'clock today. All right. Final segment here. What the hell happened with the rest of the draft? Let's Let's look through some of the things. Some of the stuff was surprising. Some of the stuff was unsurprising. But the most important thing I think that happened was this Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Damian Lillard thing that, that happened. Uh, nothing actually crazy happened. I, I don't think that anybody's surprised that the draft went this direction. Personally, if I was Charlotte, 
I would have just drafted Scoot Henderson because I think he's a way better player. I think that he's a guy that will stand out as, as one of your superstar types in the future. I think that he could have been the number one pick in a year that Victor Wembanyama was not in the draft. And Brandon Miller strikes me as a, you're going to have a, a lot to figure out with him. And, and he's also like, there, there's a lot of questions I will say. And, and for Charlotte who just had miles bridges do what he did. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't go with the culture guy with scoot. Like I, I really think that he would have added to their team in that regard, but their loss of course is Portland's gain and scoot Henderson ends up in, in Portland at three. Damien Lillard though had, made the not ultimatum like I, I don't know what he actually said I don't think anybody knows what he actually said they're just kind of projecting of course but um, Damian Lillard obviously wants to compete for a championship in Portland I think it's his belief that another young guy added to that core is not the best way to compete for a title and I think that that's completely fair I think that he would want to and and the Blazers would want to trade some of the young talent that they have accumulated, add some good defenders, add some good uh, weapons in the front court that they can really trust. And right now it just, it doesn't look like they have done that. Uh, we'll see what the rest of the offseason looks like for Portland, but I think that there are some major questions here and it feels honestly ready-made for Portland to just go like, you know what? We have Scoot Henderson. We have Shaden Sharp. We have Anthony Simons. We have some interesting young players and it's probably time for a rebuild anyway. So Dame, sorry, bro. Like we know that you want to compete for a championship here. It's just not going to happen. And rather than re-signing Jeremy Grant to this big contract that he probably doesn't deserve, rather than trading for another guy, uh, giving up a player like Scoot Henderson for, I don't know, Pascal Siakam, somebody like that. Uh, rather than trying to do that and, and getting to the second round of the playoffs as opposed to the first round, uh, we are going to question the market for Damian Lillard. That, that would be my thinking in Portland. But I don't know. Like It seems like Portland's fan, they obviously want to hold on to Damian Lillard as long as possible. Dame obviously doesn't want to go. Like He would rather stay and compete for championships in Portland. But if that's not the direction that the franchise is really going, which adding a third overall pick to the seventh overall pick from last year, that's still very raw to a young Anthony Simons who is still trying to figure out how to play and doesn't really fit with Lillard that well. Uh, it, it's pretty reasonable to say, yeah, it's not the, it's not the right time to, to actually compete for a title. So I think that Lillard is probably going to be traded. I don't know where he's going to be traded because not a lot of teams actually have the requisite assets to really please what Portland does. But if Dame actually comes out and says, I would like to go, that is a different conversation for what he's done over the course of these last couple of years, which is basically like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know whether I'm going to actually go to uh, other places or stay in Portland. Like, I, I just want to compete for a championship here, but I also want to put pressure on you. But I don't know. Like, we'll see if you don't actually do it, then we'll, we'll see. We'll see how I feel. Like, it's just been back and forth and it's very irritating and annoying. Uh, but I do think that this is probably where it comes to a head. Either they get the veterans that they need or Dame is going to go. Like that's that feels like everything is kind of coming to a head this summer. So maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe he just plays with Scoot Henderson and, and we'll, we'll actually see what happens there. But it just would not surprise me if, if this is where it ultimately goes. Next, uh, the Dallas Mavericks, they did some weird stuff. Uh, they traded Davis Bertans and the 10th overall pick to the OKC Thunder for the 12th overall pick, basically moving down a couple slots in order to get off of a contract for Davis Bertans. Uh, first of all, I thought that OKC, like that was a great move for Dallas, moving down two spots in order to get off that contract. That seems like a pretty small price to pay in order to actually do that, but Maybe OKC saw Davis Bertans as another shooter that they could use to, to surround their guys with. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that Dallas, rather than waiting a little bit and trying to figure out exactly how they could use that space that they had just created, they decided we're going to add Rashawn Holmes. We are going to trade uh, 
the traded player exception that we just freed up and add Rashawn Holmes into that, as well as drafting Derek Lively, another center at 12. And I don't get it. Like, I, I just don't. I think that Dallas is still trying to figure out how the hell they're supposed to operate. And for me, like surrounding Luca with the best talent that you possibly can, I understand Derek Lively was a very highly regarded prospect, a center prospect. Uh, he is not ready. And, and maybe there's something, maybe there's something there that he can ultimately develop into the pick and roll threat along with Luca. That, that makes a lot of sense, but adding Rashawn Holmes into that just, it feels like they're not smart. It feels like another JaVale McGee signing where yeah, you you would love to you would love to have a, a center that makes sense as a roller, but you don't need to waste all these resources in order to do it. And now they have JaVale McGee, Rashawn Holmes, and Derek Lively. And they'll probably bring back Dwight Powell because Dwight Powell is a permanent Dallas Maverick. That just it's very odd. And so the way that they are running that team, it just would not surprise me if Luca is the next guy to be like, what the hell is going on here? Why am I still here? Um, and if that's the case, and if let's say they lose Kyrie Irving for basically nothing, or they do a sign and trade that gets them scraps, then they're probably not going to make the playoffs again. And, and if that's the case, then you've got a lot of questions to answer. If you miss the playoffs twice in a row with Luka Doncic in his prime, like there's, there's just a lot to question there. There's a lot to question about what Dallas is doing and that this is just an outsider perspective who hasn't given it too terribly much thought, but they're a team that I thought Denver would have to compete with for titles like just a couple of years ago. And now they're not, now they're not even close to that. So I, I just don't know why they're going this direction. And I think that that could be at least, at least something to monitor for Nuggets fans that like think, Hey, Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic could be a cool duo. Like I'm, I'm the biggest Jamal Murray guy in the world, but like, Luka Doncic could be really cool too. That would be that would be pretty sweet. Um, we'll we'll see what what ultimately turns into that. But even if it's not Luka to Denver, like it could be Luka to the Lakers. And if that's the case, crap! <laughs> like that's just you you do not want that to happen. I don't think anybody wants that to happen. So except the Lakers, the Lakers they get everything. Next. Sacramento, uh, they created cap space by dumping Rashawn Holmes. And I think what they're going to do here is they're going to go after a big time free agent. They have over $30 million in cap space now in order to go out and sign somebody. They're the third overall seed in the West. Not necessarily the strongest year for the conference, but uh, Sacramento still did what they had to do. They traded for DeMontis Sabonis this last year uh, and then continue to bolster that they have a lot of interesting pieces. They took golden state to seven games and probably should have won that series. If we're being honest, uh, the fact that they didn't is dumb. Uh, but if you can add some other talented player to a trio that include that, like Keegan Murray is there, he's still going to get better. The um, Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis are awesome. Like they, they've got a lot of pieces that I think are, are really, really talented players and whether they actually develop into what they need to remains to be seen, but they could be a team that had to go through one playoff round and see what they needed. And, and now they, whether they get Kyle Kuzma or um, I don't know, there, there, there are some other guys that they could go out and try to get, like maybe they get Brooke Lopez and say, yeah, we're going to bolster our rib protection uh, by adding another guy like this. Uh, and they could get very creative with it. So should be very interesting to see what they do, but Sacramento looks like they're going to, add some cap space and, and maybe go after a big time free agent or two. Cam Whitmore slid to the Houston Rockets at 20. That was one where I think a lot of people are, are pretty questionable uh, when it comes to like, they're, they're at least questioning what it would actually look like with his health. Uh, they did not expect him to slide to Houston. I don't think anybody expected him to slide to Houston, but I think a lot of people, get burned by medicals and then they looked at his knees and thought, yeah, this is not a really good option for us. We don't want to spend a resource on that. Uh, but Houston then gets to benefit from it. If he does actually get healthy and they draft Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore on top of having Jalen green, Tari Eason, Alper and Shangun, like some really, really interesting young pieces 
uh, that that Houston is adding. And, and on top of that, they're probably going to try to add some vets with the, all the cap space that they have. So wouldn't surprise me if Houston becomes a little bit more competitive this next year. They're probably not going to win a bunch of games. Like that's that's not what the goal should be. Uh, but if they did add some veteran voices into the room to try to direct their team a little bit, then maybe Jalen Green uh, starts to play a little bit better defense. Maybe Alper and Shangun starts to play a bit better defense. Maybe they they stop turning the ball over as much and, and just start acting like a, a real basketball team again. And like having all of this talent and having a lot of versatility to be able to go with it and, and athleticism uh, does kind of bolster what they could be at their ceiling. So going to take them some years for sure. But I do think that Cam Whitmore, that's a very, very interesting name. He could have gone as high as four. And I, I think somebody even had him as, as high as three on, on one of their, their mock drafts or big boards. So he's a guy that getting him at 20 is a crazy thing. And you get two top five talents in the draft when you had the 20th pick. Feels pretty impressive. Two more here before we go. This one is, is one that I'm going to be thinking about. I'm not going to say that uh, – I'm not going to say immediately that – this is where Denver lost the draft. But if I had to quibble with the way that they approached this one, I don't think that they should have gone all offense and no athleticism, like which is basically what they did. I'm going to remain open to the idea that I'm wrong because I was wrong on Christian Brown and Peyton Watson last year. Not, not Christian Brown. I thought that they should have drafted maybe – not, not Ochai Akbashi. I thought just they should have drafted Wendell Moore. Uh, and then with Peyton Watson, I was, I was very confused by the pick. Uh, but that turned out, we'll see, like it, it could still end up being that way. But it looks like Peyton Watson could turn into somebody for Denver relatively soon. Um, but now I'm looking at the way that Denver drafted this. They drafted uh, Strother at 29. They drafted Pickett at 32. And then at 37, they drafted Hunter Tyson. I see these guys, Leonard Miller, Colby Jones, Andre Jackson, and Jordan Walsh, all guys that I wrote about and thought that Denver could get in this range. Uh, they all went 33, 34, 36, 38. And when you think about that, so Den Denver had a chance to draft all of them. They decided not to. They decided to go with different players. They decided they they wanted a, drift, a different strategy, whether they thought that Leonard Miller was too raw or Andre Jackson couldn't shoot well enough or Jordan Walsh. It's hard to fit a guy like that. I don't know. I don't know what that's ultimately going to look like. And maybe Denver's proven right by that, especially when they're trying to compete over these next two, three, four years or so. You don't want to have to pigeonhole guys into roles that they're not ready for or roles that they don't really fit. Uh, and so maybe this is the right call, but if I'm thinking about the draft from a talent perspective, I'm a little bit disappointed that Denver didn't come away from the draft with one of these guys. They had the opportunity to get a Leonard Miller. They had an opportunity to get a Colby Jones or an Andre Jackson or a Jordan Walsh. Could they have gotten Jalen Pickett at 37? Probably. That I, I'd be shocked if they couldn't. Um, so drafting a guy like Leonard Miller would have been a very interesting value add for a team like Denver where you don't expect a guy like Leonard Miller to be there. He was a borderline lottery talent for a lot of people. And for him to drop all the way to 33, that's either a red flag or it's at least something where a lot of teams are thinking the same way you are, but because Denver had three draft picks, I, I thought, okay, that seems kind of odd that they didn't take a, a bigger swing on, on somebody with more potential than, than what they actually added, because I see all the players that they drafted they're older. They are they are older, lower potential players that are going to be good role players at the NBA level, we think, uh, or they might not be. And if that's the case, then then you really are kicking yourselves if you drafted a guy that you can't even really give a chance to. So I don't know. Going to be interesting. That's one thing that if I were to quibble on the draft, that that's, that's what I would go with. But we're going to find out. We're going to find that out together. And finally, uh, Chris Livingston uh, going 58th to the Milwaukee Bucks was pretty funny, and here's why. Uh, Shams throughout the evening had talked about Chris Livingston as nobody draft Chris Livingston. He has a promise uh, that was that like basically he was 
promised that he he would go to a place and he, he was telling teams stay away from me don't draft me i want to go to this team i want to go to this team i want to go to this team and to me it was really really funny that the team that he wanted to go to was the last pick of the draft was <laughs> like hey you, you really wanted to go here i understand that it's milwaukee i understand you you want to play with Giannis, or or you think that there's a, a role there for you maybe they talked about it and and it's just objectively funny in my opinion that Shams went out of his way throughout the, the day, like weeks ago, where he was like, Chris Livington has pulled out of workouts in order to get to the 58th pick of the draft, the final pick of the draft, which that's uh, that's just pretty funny to me. But he, he, here's like, who knows? Like maybe it works out for him. Maybe he becomes uh, the next great second round pick. Uh, and if that's the case, then, then more power to him. But I just thought it was pretty funny. All right, folks, I think that is going to do it for our draft coverage wrap-up here. Uh, going to have a lot more to give on, on the draft coverage side. There will be some uh, talks on Monday, I think. I, I think uh, they're going to do interviews. Calvin Booth is going to speak to all of uh, the media on, on that front, as well as each of the players. We'll get to know them. I'll definitely do a podcast after that. Uh, but for now, uh, Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? Uh, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for hanging out. I know that some folks probably wanted to do post game cover or post draft coverage last night, but I got back pretty late. Wanted to put out a big article. I wrote close to 2,000 words on where Denver stands on the rest of this offseason as well. So if you want this podcast in written form, go over to milehighsports.com and you can read up on all of these players and where Denver stands. Should be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.